0: Hey, before we jump into the podcast, just wanna give a quick reminder, if you're new here to the Holistic Nootropics podcast, to please just take a quick second and subscribe to the podcast. It takes literally a second to do. Just hit the subscribe button right there in your podcast player. Also, if you wanna help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Now, if you're more of a visual person, you like to actually watch the podcast, you can actually do that over on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com, search Holistic Nootropics, You'll see our page pop up. Subscribe to that. Hit the little bell icon so you can get notified every single time new videos drop because we don't just do podcasts over there. We do product reviews. We do all kinds of nootropic and biohacking and holistic health topical videos. So go on over, check us out on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. And for all things nootropics, nutrition, and biohacking related, go on over to holisticnootropics.com. Okay, let's jump into the podcast you're listening to the holistic nootropics podcast your home for holistic evidence-based cognitive
1: enhancement strategies and now your host eric levi
0: hey what is going on everybody welcome back to the holistic nootropics podcast where we talk about using nootropics biohacking and nutrition to help you boost your cognition On the podcast today, we have Dr. Alan Bauman. Dr. Alan Bauman is a full-time board-certified hair restoration physician who has treated over 30,000 patients, has performed over 10,000 hair transplant procedures and over 8,000 PRPs since starting his medical practice or his medical hair loss practice, Bauman Medical, in 1997. Dr. Bauman is known for pioneering numerous technologies in the field of hair restoration and has been cited as the number one top hair restoration surgeon in North America by Aesthetic Everything, the top hair restoration uh, restoration surgeon of the decade. And he was recently named by Forbes as one of the 10 CEOs or top 10 CEOs transforming healthcare in America, which is, I mean, all that is so awesome. And I'm gonna bring Dr. Bauman in here in just a second to talk all about his take on health and wellness and how we could possibly grow our hair back. Um, But first, just want to give a quick shout out to the Biohacking Congress, where Dr. Alan Bauman will be one of the featured speakers, along with many other top voices in the health, wellness, and biohacking community. If you are interested in going to the Biohacking Congress, it's Uh, October 16th and 17th in Miami, Florida. This is really the first major health conference happening in almost two years. And so if you're chomping at the bit to be around like-minded folks who wanna talk about health, wellness, longevity, all that good stuff, then you're going to want to go to the Biohacking Congress. And the best part is you can get 50% off of your ticket to the conference by going to biohackingcongress.com and using the code word HACK50 at checkout. Again, that's HACK50 at checkout. But let's say maybe you don't want to travel. You don't want to get on a plane. You don't want to wear a mask on a plane. I totally get it. Or maybe you don't want to travel, be in person. Maybe you got time constraints, whatever it is. You can actually watch the Biohacking Congress virtually from the comfort of your own home. And the best part is i have some free tickets to give to you the holistic nootropics listener or viewer if you want one of those free tickets all you got to do is head on over to apple Podcasts, leave the holistic nootropics podcast a five-star review take a screenshot of that email it to me over at info at holisticneutropics.com and i will go ahead and send you a free ticket this is the deal of a lifetime folks don't pass it up and with no further ado dr bauman welcome to the holistic nootropics podcast Thanks, Eric. Great to be with you today. Absolutely, I'm so pumped for this podcast. Like, I do a lot of podcasts with doctors and and um, you know researchers, scientists, entrepreneurs, and we talk about health, we talk about wellness, we talk about nutrition, and we talk about hey, this this thing will help you live longer. This thing will help you feel better. But. For me, and I'm sure a lot of other people in my position, sometimes it just comes all down to how you look. And I know for me, hair was, oh, he's a big thing. You know, uh, being a, a Jew who comes from a long line of bald male Jews, um, it was inevitable. I knew it was going to happen. And I've I've done my best to fight the the sands of time in losing my hair or keeping what I got left. Um, But this seems to be something that you've taken and you've run with and you're transforming lives. And I totally understand the profound impact you could be making on a man's life or a woman's life by doing this. So I would love to know your origin story. How did you get into this? How did you get into this specific field? And what have you done that has made you, you know so well renowned as one of the top surgeons in this field?
1: Well, uh, let me tell you, Eric, it's been an amazing journey, and I guess it all started without me realizing it, watching my dad go bald when I was a teenager. And uh, so watching him lose his hair, kind of struggle with it, doing the comb overs, doing some uh, prescribed lotions, and eventually, unfortunately, getting into a hair piece uh, made me think about my own hair. I, I love my hair. I grew it long uh, when I was in college and in medical school. But I, you know, as, as you did, you came from a long line of, of guys maybe who didn't have much hair. And my dad's dad, i never met the guy with hair and like I said, my dad went bald when I was a teenager and my mom's dad had some severe hair loss. So yeah, I just figured it was coming my way and I didn't really know anything about what to do about it, honestly, um, until much later on in life. And so I was in medical school. I was uh, being mentored by a plastic surgeon. I figured that was the direction I was going to take. Uh, And around the time I was in my internship and residency program in Manhattan, doing general surgery, always thinking plastic surgery was gonna be my thing. I met a patient who had had a hair transplant and uh, not by anybody that we knew. And it was just coincidence that he kind of revealed it to me. I looked at him, it didn't look like a hair transplant to me. And so I was kind of intrigued about it. And we got into this conversation And I learned two things uh, that day that really changed my life. Number one was that a hair transplant could be completely undetectable, certainly fooled me. And the other thing that stuck with me was how this gentleman Explain that the hair regrowth and the hair restoration totally changed his life, both professionally and socially. So, I kind of tucked that back in my uh, in my brain. And as I had a chance to go through some plastic surgery conferences and cosmetic conferences, I always kind of kept an eye out for hair transplant stuff. And I just learned about it more and more and more. And eventually, I found my second mentor, who is a, a very busy pl- a very busy hair transplant surgeon in New York. And we connected um, just by phone, actually. And he invited me into the practice. And eventually uh, I became trained and did a fellowship with him for over a year. And uh, I never looked back after that. I always thought, well, maybe hair transplant would be something I would do within my plastic surgery practice. But after doing hair transplant procedures for about a year or so, I just knew that I wanted to dive in 100 percent. And so that's really where I got started and then I met my wife around that same time we moved to Boca Raton Florida and I started my hair transplant practice with a tiny 1000 square foot facility with one operatory and zero staff and zero referrals and uh, just kind of had to build the practice door to door patient by patient one at a time and trying to get good results all the way through from day one and, uh, it's been an exciting journey, you know, 25 years later, here we are, um, got the 12,000 square foot hair hospital in Boca Raton, Florida. And, and you mentioned the numbers of patients that we treated and, you know, over a thousand to 1500 patients come through the door every year seeking the kind of work that we do. And I, I feel like I've contributed a lot to the industry and just, Hearing those patients after they have their hair restored, men, women, even children with birth defects and things like that. And, and the veterans that we do pro bono uh, who have been injured and so forth. Uh, it's just amazing to hear their stories. And that's what gives us the, the joy and the benefit each and every day of doing the doing the work that we do. And uh, hair, you know, when you restore it, it's like that magic light switch just turns on the happiness, you know. Uh, so it's it's a fun practice to have, and I'm, I'm I feel very very blessed, and I have an amazing team of nearly thirty uh, practitioners now, uh, and and um, admin folk and clinical team members who help me get the job done every single day uh, with exceptional care and, and passion. So it's been it's been a super fun ride.
0: That's amazing. A, a twelve thousand foot hair hospital. <laughs> I mean, that's it's like a super center of hair regrowth and. And I think you nailed it, you know, because like, as a guy, when you, when you know, when you have that inkling, you're like, I'm definitely going bald and you do everything you can to fight it. You know, you don't, you don't know. And you see all the products out there and you just kind of know it's coming. And then like, for me, I was 19 and the hair, I just, it was like, I was in the shower and it was like, oh, it's, it's starting now. And throughout my twenties, it progressed. And it was just always one of those things, like not actively looking, but just kind of like is there something out there because this feels so inevitable? and I would imagine that for a lot of men, especially single guys, especially maybe even older guys who are single and you know don't want that that age to creep up on them like that um, it's got to be life transforming.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, just like that first guy I met, uh, the hair made him look good and feel good on the inside. And, and you know, we can get into how the hair follicle, very, very uh, highly metabolic cell population in the body that kind of exudes your health and youth and vitality and obviously evolutionarily plays a big role. In attracting a mate, whether you're a man or a woman, um, typically uh, a good, healthy head of hair says something about how you live and, and your genetics and so forth. And so if you're losing your hair, like you just said, it can be a struggle. You don't know what to do, where to turn. And and that's one of the things I've tried to change in the industry is really push out a lot of information and a lot of content for those people who are suffering out there or don't want to suffer with their hair loss situation. Don't want to accept it. Don't want to shave it. Don't want to buzz cut it. Um, you know, don't want to wear a wig weave or whatever, and they want to keep their existing hair or grow their hair back. You know, there's a lot of really effective ways to do that today. And that's, you know, like I said, that's the fun part.
0: So what is in general the the cause of
1: hair loss? So what you inherit in male and female pattern hair loss is a sensitivity of those hair follicles. So in male androgenetic alopecia or male pattern hair loss, what you've inherited is a sensitivity to dihydrotestosterone. That's the primary trigger for male pattern hair loss. So it doesn't mean that you have like all this testosterone or some huge high level of DHT, the the dihydrotestosterone metabolite of, of testosterone. But it just means that your follicles are sensitive to it so you're going to start to see some weakening of the hairline some miniaturization it's going to start to recede you could start to see more shedding you could start to see more scalp shining through and so it happens in a very recognizable pattern you see that recession of the hairline the bald spot developing in the crown now for women it's a little bit different typically they see a more diffuse pattern although it can also recede the hairline a little bit they don't typically go bald like men do um but uh, the good news is, is that there's a lot you can do about it. And so that hormone is the main trigger, but there's other things too. your 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 vitality and your health level, your nutrition, your stress level, your sleep wake cycles, inflammation in the body, um, medications that you might be taking and other factors can certainly influence hair growth in a a detrimental or positive way. So you want to you know, we we take a very holistic approach all the way down to the health of the scalp. I mean, I have an entire department dedicated to keep your scalp healthy so that we can grow good hair.
0: Wow. So the testosterone thing is interesting because you're the first person I've heard, you know, at least that I've talked to. Um, and there is this thing, uh, you know, about like, Hey, you don't want too much testosterone because that's what makes your hair fall out. Like you want testosterone, but you don't want too much. And uh, what you just said is it has nothing to do with how much testosterone, but the specific metabolite of testosterone, dihydrotestosterone, I believe, where does that metabolite come from? And is there something in your lifestyle or or diet or, you know, whatever it is, sunshine, whatever it is that you can do to, to minimize that?
1: Well, Unfortunately, um, there's really the main medication for blocking the formation of DHT. DHT is formed from testosterone by 5-alpha reductase, which is an enzyme in your body. And uh, over time, as your testosterone lowers, you maybe you'll have a slower bit of hair loss going on because it's less metabolites maybe being formed. But in general, if you're sensitive to DHT, you're going to continue to thin out over time. So what can we do about that? Uh, very often finasteride is used. That's a prescription FDA approved oral medication to block the type two five alpha reductase enzyme, which is the main pathway towards DHT. And if you go on that medication, it's a very powerful medication, by the way, 90% of guys look the same or better in the long run. So it's a very good news. That's your benefit, right? And about 2% of patients, unfortunately, will have sexual side effects from the drug. So decreased libido, mild erectile dysfunction, even decreased ejaculate volume can occur. But the good news is that these are temporary and mild. Stop the medication, the medication's out of your body in a week and you should be back to normal. Uh, So finasteride is one of the first lines of approach, but certainly not the only thing that we do. You know, There's another pharmaceutical, Minoxidil, but there's a lot of other uh, things that we can do to try to make the follicles more resilient And grow better, thicker, stronger, healthier hair over time without the use of medications. And that's been an exciting part of the field of of hair restoration that these, you know, it's not just uh, minoxidil topicals or finasteride oral treatments anymore. But we have other things now, too, like regenerative medicine, phototherapy, nutritional supplementation, the proper hair care, nutrition, those types of things.
0: Yeah. And I want to get into all that stuff, but I do want to actually come back to Finasteride because I've used Finasteride. I used it for a couple of years, I think like two or three years, and it didn't have much of an effect for me. I don't know if I took it right. I used the ProScar generic form, Um, but I have a friend who is the reason I did it because He took it. And I mean, we're talking like within a month, this guy went from, you know, like 75 percent bald to full, just beautiful, flowing mane of hair. Um, And I could see the stark difference between, you know, him and me. And uh, it's just so interesting how that I guess how it affects men so differently.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of ways to figure out if you're going to be getting a response to finasteride. Uh, Sometimes it's just a matter of looking at your scalp and doing some measurements when we have a bunch of different ways to kind of look at the scalp today that we didn't have years ago. We have microscopes and AI software, uh, machine learning software. So we can actually tag each hair without without trimming the hair. So we get some good readouts in terms of what the quality of hair is in the good zones that are immune to male pattern hair loss, right? So those hairs around the sides and the back are immune to male pattern hair loss and how much miniaturization is actually occurring in each area because think of it like if the follicles are too far degraded you know they're too far dead and gone they're beyond the point of no return then the finasteride is really too late in that zone and it's really going to work much farther back So if you've lost most of the hair in the front of your scalp, then you're not really going to notice much difference with finasteride unless you're measuring or observing the back of your scalp. Interesting. And then there's also now genetic testing, like the trichotest, for example, which is something that can help us determine if you're more susceptible to increasing DHT from the other type of five alpha reductase the type one five alpha reductase so a few patients that we come across actually make a lot more dht or make some more dht than what would be normal through the type one five alpha reductase and so that means they would be better off taking dutasteride Mm -hmm. which is a little bit of a stronger medication than finasteride
0: oh wow so that i yeah so we can do that
1: by genetic testing
0: yeah, that I mean, that's incredibly useful. Uh, and just a testament to how far the industry has come, because it's not just as simple as saying, fine asteroids going to work for you because it works for this guy. I mean, we're talking about genetic snips and enzymes and things like this that absolutely Correct. affect
1: it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then the other thing is, is that if you have a very aggressive hair loss process, then you might need multi therapy. Most patients today, honestly, do need multi therapy. It's syner- these treatments are synergistic, so not just the you know oral medication finasteride, but maybe a topical minoxidil or an oral minoxidil could go very far with it. Or we could use phototherapy. If you don't want to use chemical treatments, you can use low level laser light, red light therapy or regenerative techniques like platelet-rich plasma, things like that.
0: And just the last thing about finasteride, um, is there any impact of using that like on the prostate or any of these more sensitive, um, you know, male specific parts?
1: Well, you mentioned that you were taking a generic version of ProScar and finasteride was uh, really, an FDA-approved drug for benign prostatic hypertrophy or an enlarged prostate. So there's you know millions and millions of men out there around the world who have taken the five milligram dose to treat their big prostates. Um, the prostate does shrink a bit when you're on finasteride, and so for most that's kind of a good thing. Um,
0: that's good. Yeah. Cause I know there's, um, there's a foundation I think called the finasteride foundation or whatever. And they, uh, they send emails out and they talk about these things, uh, you know, prostate health. Um, but I, like you said, I did, I do know that it was about that the finasteride was originally for the prostate in much higher doses than you take for hair. So I didn't know if there was any side effects for the prostate, anything guys should know about, you know, in that. In that realm, because of course, that's a that's a major issue for men as they get older.
1: Sure. Well, DHT is responsible for the activity of stuff going on in the prostate, uh, the production of the ejaculate and, uh, you know, the non-sperm component. And uh, when you when you take finasteride, you're going to lower the functioning of the prostate. And for for most guys, that's actually kind of a good thing overall, because, you know, as we get older with time, prostates do enlarge and that can cause you know urination issues things like that urgency and so forth getting up in the middle of the night uh you know so it actually may be a good thing that we're keeping our prostates a little bit smaller with finasteride
0: wow okay so how about red light you mentioned uh you know shining red light is that a red light specific laser or like let's say you have a red light panel or red light bulbs and you just shine it on the on your bald spot or on your head or where it squeezes like is that something that works or, or or what is the story with red light and hair loss?
1: Well, red light and low level laser therapy is absolutely an effective treatment. We know now here 20 years later, we have all the science to show and the results to know that it works. But here's the thing red light therapy is not going to bring back a dead follicle. So if the follicle again is beyond repair, all the same rules apply. So where you're going to get the best results with red light therapy is where you have this beginning part of miniaturization. The the follicles are not too far gone. And, you know, a little red light bulb in your closet is not going to do the job. You're going to need to focus that directly on the scalp. We find that Laser light therapy works better, and there's probably some good reasons for that. The coherence of the light, the penetration of the of the coherent wavelengths, maybe even just the scattered part of how the laser affects the skin. Um, But there have been also some good studies with some of these super luminous diodes and how the different wavelengths affect the skin. But I think it really comes down to power output. So our newest lasers are going to be like 300 diodes. Those are going to be physician prescribed. I can show you what they look like. Um, You know, usually medical grade, low level laser light therapy is going to be having a little bit more power output, give you more coverage, give you shorter treatment times um, than some of the more clunkier plastic units that you're going to see out there on the internet or on cable TV news or things like that, you know.
0: Right, right. So what are the more I guess um surgical procedures that you do or, or, or you specifically specialize?
1: Right. So if the follicles dead and gone and uh, we're not going to employ, you know, uh, something, you know, fruitfully and let's say to restore frontal hairline, uh, you know, like if we know the medications and and so forth are really just going to be for protection, then how do we get that hairline back? How do we restore coverage? Well, we're going to do transplantation. So what is hair transplantation that entails moving the more permanent follicles, the ones that are resistant to DHT from the back of the scalp? into the thinning or the balding area. So it's a it's a very technical microsurgical process where we can literally pluck or fa- harvest those follicles from the back of the scalp one at a time and implant them in the correct angle, orientation, and position so that eventually when that follicle kicks into gear, it's gonna grow the hair in a normal direction and the hairline, the, the resulting coverage is gonna look 100% natural. So it's a pretty cool technology, totally different than your dad's and granddad's plugs and painful procedures of the of the of the days of old. Um, this is a very comfortable procedure, but it does take a long time to execute.
0: And by long time, do you mean multiple visits, or like the 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 one procedure takes a long time to do?
1: Well, each hair transplant procedure could be six to eight hours in the chair. Uh, theoretically, uh, we often do uh, sometimes back to back procedures, meaning that we're doing consecutive days to get more hair, move hair around. Um, but those that time you spend in the chair is not painful. It's not like getting a tattoo for eight hours. You're going to be watching Netflix. We feed you lunch. Hopefully you don't have to feed you dinner. <laughs> um but the team is catering to you. You can get up and use the restroom. Your scalp is completely numb under local anesthetic. And we use usually a little bit of sedation just to keep you relaxed if you need
0: it. Yeah. Oh, that sounds that sounds like a lovely afternoon, actually. just
1: It's really not too bad. A lot of yeah. our, you know, busy professionals actually kind of enjoy just sitting and watching, you know, whether it be the news or they watch sports or the Olympics now. I mean, they're watching whatever they want or just, you know, watching the underwater fish videos. Not too bad either. Yeah. You know. Oh, uh, man, I could imagine a of hours to get the procedure done.
0: I could imagine someone in Florida watching the news and just getting so angry while you're trying to have surgery on them. I'm sure that causes a few uh, conflicts.
1: Yeah, we don't usually let them watch uh, finance or news. Uh, but uh, if, if that's what helps them relax, you know, knowing what's going on, then it's OK. You know, for sure, we let them do it. So this might for some that's relaxing, you know.
0: I I get it. I get it. I I know the world we live in now. It's 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 pretty wacky. Um, And actually, this is kind of a a goofy question. But um, why is it that, you know, in male pattern baldness, it's this specific area like the Caesar, you know, that stays and the rest of it goes? Yeah, so
1: evolutionarily why does the back of the scalp the sides in the back of the scalp why is that area immune to the effects of dht dihydrotestosterone and the cool thing is obviously is that when we take those follicles they retain that property i mean that that's really the tenant the the cornerstone of hair transplantation is that when we put it into the other balding area it wasn't a problem with the soil in that zone if you think about it In that analogy, it was the problem with the plant. So when we put the follicle into the balding zone, it actually lives and grows permanently there forever, relatively permanently. So I don't know if you asked my grandmother when she was alive, why is it like that? She would say, so Alan would have a job.
0: Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: we don't really know, obviously, yeah. why, um, you know, why do those follicles, why are we, we made that way? Um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do evolutionarily with a sign of aging. So, you know, why doesn't all of our hair fall out when we age? I don't know, but it's a general sign from the front and from the back, uh, you know, that we're advancing in age. And uh, as we said before, you know, if someone wants to look youthful and feel Uh, full of life and and vital, sometimes a full head of hair is an important piece of that puzzle. And, uh, you know, again, for both men and women, it's important, Uh, you know, and that's that's why we have our our procedures and treatments available for them.
0: And I'm wondering, like, if there's I guess because we're talking about hey you know evolution and we're talking about you know the the genetic SNPs how they impact your five alpha reductase a little differently which impacts your DHT. I'm curious if there's any connections between the actual pattern that you see in baldness. So like you know some people bald from the front, some people bald from the back, some people just lose it all all, all at once. Um, and any other associations within the body, like uh, you know high blood pressure and this type of um, balding or metabolic disorders and this type of balding.
1: Mm. So I'm not so sure there's any, uh, really strong connection with metabolic disorders, but uh, at one point, uh, something came across my desk that there was a correlation between male pattern baldness and cardiovascular
0: disease. And what, and, uh, and what are these connections?
1: Oh, so if you are, you're more prone to cardiovascular disease, if you have a severe degree of balding.
0: Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And,
1: and more recently with COVID-19, there's actually the Gab- Gabrin sign, which is something that they discovered in Europe uh, that guys who were um, in, the, in the hospital wards on ventilators, uh, they were more likely to have a balding pattern uh, that was significant. And so they think that that has to do with the temperus, uh, um, which is the, um, the, the, the expression of the of andro- androgen uh, sensitivity. And the androgen receptor is very, very close to uh, the ACE2 um, receptor on the type 2 pneumocytes. So basically, if you are prone to male pattern hair loss, you may have an increased uh, androgen receptor sensitivity. And that may make you more susceptible to COVID-19. Oh man, that is wild. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of interesting research going on, uh, still going on today about that. Um, The Gabrin sign is literally the name of the physician. It was named after the physician that noticed this in the wards. I think it was in Spain or France. I can't remember at this moment. Um, And actually he eventually died of COVID, but um, the Gabrin sign is, uh, you know, is well known in the sphere of, of hair loss and hair restoration physicians now. And a lot of interesting research, maybe that, uh, patients who are on, uh, androgen blocking or androgen reducing medications, whether it be for, for, uh, prostate cancer or for male pattern hair loss may actually fare better in, uh, the realm of, uh, COVID-19.
0: Wow. That's such a wild, uh, focus of research because, I mean, we don't know much about COVID, like we're still learning stuff and, um, I think any association is, is certainly welcome to be explored, and that would definitely make sense.
1: Oh, yeah. So that's uh, some interesting stuff, and I don't know if you have show notes, but if you like to, to highlight some of that research, I can send some of that stuff over to you. It's pretty interesting to read and see you know, how the expression of that uh, androgen receptor uh, may make you more susceptible to uh, COVID infection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Please send that over. Cause once we release this, we'll have show notes and you know, people love clicking on the links and going and checking out yeah. these different resources. We have a lot of nerds in this audience. So they get yeah, into this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, the biohackers are all, uh, all of us are like that, you know, Yeah. Well, we want a deep dive into everything for sure.
0: We got PubMed on our phones and we send our poop in the mail. We are a wild bunch.
1: <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Tracking our sleep and, and wearing CGMs.
0: Yep. (laughs) So, you know, you were talking about some holistic things, some kind of more health and wellness based stuff that kind of goes along with, um, you know, preserving hair. So could you maybe go through some of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we take a very holistic approach. I always like to find out from the patient, obviously, especially in these days, if they're dealing with a lot of stress or, and if they're, uh, you know, their nutritional uh, status is up to par or if their sleep-wake cycles have been disrupted because we know all of those things can have an impact on their hair um whether it's a male or female patient we definitely want to get a handle on that so how do we intervene well you know a lot of my patients are biohackers uh so we do end up talking about tracking sleep and and nutritionals and and, you know bed chillers and and you name it uh when it comes to getting good sleep which i think is the, the swiss army knife of wellness And uh, the biologic clock internally in the brain, the circadian rhythm definitely has an effect on those cyclical organs, especially our hair follicles, which tend to turn on and turn off on a regular basis, you know, through these phases. That's what the normal shedding is, right? So out of 100,000 hair follicles you have on your scalp, about 85% of them are in the growing phase right now. The rest of them are in either in degeneration, resting or regeneration and through that cycle, you can have shedding. And this becomes more important if you have very long hair. Maybe in females, you, they, they tend to see these ebb and flow of, of shedding phases, especially if they're under undue stress or if there's some nutritional imbalance or sleep-wake cycle disruptions, sleep arrhythmia. There can get You can get basically an arrhythmia of the hair follicle causing more shedding and so forth. So what do we do about it? Um, Things like minoxidil, as I mentioned before, is that's a topical medication or could be an oral medication to turn the follicle on and keep it on in the growing phase. Very popular. But on the holistic side, we want something like a stress adaptogen, uh, a nutraceutical, for example. Like I'm a big fan of Nutrafol and we have our own nutraceuticals in the Bauman Hair Wellness System um, that can help reduce the effects of stress, make your follicles really more resilient to those effects as well. So ingredients like ashwagandha, uh, decreasing inflammation with curcumin, turmeric, you know, uh, salt palmetto, if you don't want to use finasteride can help block or lower the DHT levels and uh, different antioxidants obviously also can be important as well.
0: Saw palmetto is one of those that I've uh, for a long time, I've that's like the go to, you know, it was the go to supplement or the go to uh, herb for specifically hair loss. But I feel like over the years, I've heard there's some drawbacks to saw palmetto or some some side effects that come with it. It, it, Have you heard anything like that? Or any? um, Have you seen anybody doing that? And it's it's actually, you know, made their situation with hair worse?
1: i've never seen anybody get worse on salt palmetto i mean it's really you know an organic anti-androgen it's included in a lot of our nutritional products we use salt palmetto in our hair care products and and shampoos and conditioners and so forth uh as well as the nutritionals as i mentioned uh, i've never seen a side effect from salt palmetto but uh you know some patients if you're you're out there on the internet they do seem to be sensitive to that so you know, it's almost like if you give them a whiff of an anti-androgen then all of a sudden, you know, there's this uh, side effect profile that kind of pops up similar to what you would see with Um, But it's very, very unusual. Again, I haven't seen it in my practice, but, you know, there are reports of those things out there on the Internet.
0: Yeah, of course, it all comes down to bioindividuality. Everybody's different. I mean, you would probably be shocked at some of the things that, you know, people are sensitive to. And um, yeah. certainly it, it, that, that definitely makes sense. With the stress component, um, I'm curious if there's any specific research that that ties like stress hormones, cortisol, norepinephrine, that sort of thing, to directly affecting um, hair follicle health. Have you seen anything like that? Wow. Or?
1: Absolutely. So inflammation and the effects of cortisol and stress are very well documented in the peer-reviewed clinical literature. I mean, basically, if you want to shut down a hair follicle in a Petri dish, you put cortisol there. Boom. I mean, that thing just shuts right down. Um, You know, and there's almost like an HPA axis in each hair follicle in and of itself. Um, You know, it has all of those components of the the typical axis that we see, you know, in the brain uh, and the body. And um, cortisol will definitely shut down the hair follicle. And, and so it's not just an old wives tale, like when someone was under stress that, uh, you know, they have a shedding phase. We see it. Physiologic stress, perceived stress and actual mental stress, all of the above can definitely shut down some hair follicles. So, you know stress reduction stress management um we have treatments actually in the office that we do to keep the scalp healthy um and those happen to be very relaxing so those are some of the like the do good feel good therapies that we actually perform in the practice those are non-invasive they feel great uh you know a scalp massage for 90 minutes is you know basically it's like a trip to never never landing back yeah um but uh, but those are designed specifically for the patient's conditions typically Um, but many patients just come in repeatedly for that therapy over and over and over again especially during the pandemic as kind of like a little getaway just as if they were going to schedule a relaxing meditative session or massage session or yoga treat you know yoga session whatever you know this is like you know, a scalp therapy. Uh, We call it the scalp makeover. And, uh, you know, that's a very, very relaxing therapy. They'll get a little bit of laser treatment in the office. They can have different types of herbals and uh, essential oils applied, depending on their current scalp condition. Obviously, if they're aiming to try to decrease shedding or to, you know, mitigate uh, male or female pattern hair loss, or if they have some kind of inflammation on the scalp,
0: And I wonder if there's any connection, you know, when we're talking about genetics and we're talking about, um, you know, uh, this familiar, uh, not familiar, but familial, uh, balding from, you know, uh, one generation to the next generation. I wonder because they've been finding these transgenerational responses to cortisol, how, you know, like if a mother is feeling so much cortisol, she can pass that down to her child who they can feel that I believe even two generations down. So like if you might if you might have a family member who survived the Holocaust or something, let's say, or mm. was in World War II or, or whatever it is, you might now as that second generation still be feeling your grandparents' stress, which of course they were bald, your father or mother was bald, and now you might be experiencing that stress leading to baldness. Just something I was thinking yeah, about.
1: These- yeah, these epigenetic factors are so important. I mean, it's just like uh, just like you would inherit the sensitivity to DHT, obviously, and then it can be affected by other things. Like if you're a smoker, obviously, you know, that's going to have some kind of effect on the follicle as the as circulation gets shut down in those areas uh, of the skin. Um, but yeah, if you're a particularly uh, sensitive person to stress or poor sleep and all that, you know, sometimes, as you say, these things get passed along, as we know, transgenerationally.
0: And are you, for, for women who, who deal with this, I don't know what how much you treat women, but um, what typically, you know, stress, of course, probably lack of sleep, but is there anything specific you see with women or any patterns you see with women that leads to, and to say like, you know, I know women might not necessarily have a bald spot, but it seems that women are constantly, like the hair is constantly falling out. I know, cause I live with one and there's just hair all over the place. And so, uh, you know, I'm wondering if there are any patterns that, uh kind of go along with that
1: yeah so my practice is kind of unusual about 50 percent of our patients through the door are women and uh they can be their hair follicles are typically a lot more sensitive to a lot of these things maybe than even the male uh patients are so again uh, we look at hormone levels we can do blood tests uh if there's issues with uh hair extension use types of hair styling habits um, exposure to chemicals and heat can definitely shut down the follicles. And so that's more common in women than men. Hormonal changes. Um, you know, if you look at the chart of hormones in men, it goes like this, Boop, it goes, mm-hmm. just goes down. and then hormone changes in women. It looks like an EKG. It's like yeah. <laughs> all the way through. So those hormonal changes can really impact uh, hair follicle function. And of course around menopause and childbirth and, uh, you know, other interventions that happen during the course of their lives. Um, you know they that can trigger these shedding phases and then also reveal an underlying tendency towards female pattern hair loss
0: yeah so
1: there's a lot more digging to do. There's a lot more investigation uh, when someone come, a woman comes in and says, "Hey, you know what? Over the past year, I've done a, I've seen a lot more shedding. My my ponytail volume is less. I think my hairline is weakening. I'm seeing breakage. You know, my hair is just not it's not taking color the same way. It's you know, there's different things that are happening. It just looks more dull. It's not as shiny. Um, it just looks limp. It's lost its life. It's lost its volume. That's what I hear a lot." And so we have to do a lot of digging on that one, um, you know, looking at, uh, you know, what what changes are happening metabolically, you know, what are their hormone levels, including uh, thyroid and cortisol and those sleep wake cycles, their nutritional status. Did they just lose weight? Did they just have a baby recently? Did they just have surgery? Did they just go under general anesthesia? You know, these are all major. Did they just get put on statins, antidepressants, blood pressure medication, mood modulators? Um You know, those are all uh, very, very common uh, triggers for hair loss.
0: Yeah. And I feel now that you're mentioning that, I feel like when I see these commercials for different medications, hair loss is always one of those side effects.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, as I said, you know, the hair follicles are very high, highly metabolic cell population in your body. You know, honestly, that's why, you know, if you get, God forbid, need chemotherapy, what are you trying to shut down? Well, you're trying to shut down the cancer cells, which are rapidly dividing out of control, but it also knocks out your gut, your bone marrow and your hair. Those are like the top three highly metabolic cell populations in your body. And so it just kind of makes sense that things that interrupt uh, your nutritional status are going to be more visible in the hair uh, pretty quickly. It's a very strong barometer of your health.
0: Yeah. And and now
1: the, Oh, and then what about all the crazy diets? I mean, you know, keto and, uh, you know, uh, fasting and, and, uh, you know, I mean, down here in Florida, we had the cookie diet for a while. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. So rapid weight loss changes your metabolism in a way, uh, that could affect your hair too.
0: Yeah. And, and while we're on the topic of diet and, and that sort of thing, do, do you know of any research out there that ties like microbiome health specifically to hair loss?
1: Absolutely. So we are super keen on the gut, uh, brain, skin axis. We know that the microbiome regulates a lot of these different uh, wellness functions in the body, not just making you more resilient to stress, but reducing inflammation, you know, handling your emotional stability and uh, everything from allergies to digestion, to sleep, to you know glucose processing, you name it. Microbiome is a huge portion of that. <laughs> which is, you know, circling back to why you sending poop away in your bo- in a box in the mail. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, these are some of the things that that we're very very keen on. And so w- there's actually been identified some strains of um, lactobacillus which are um, very very uh, closely tied to improved hair growth or good hair growth. Mm. So, for example, like when patients in my practice undergo hair transplantation, they often are treated with an antibiotic obviously during the procedure time so just a couple of days um, and when we give the antibiotic we also give a probiotic with it and the one that we give is a very very strong one uh, there's a few different ones but Nutrafol has a, a probiotic called Hairbiotic, and we have another one that we found works also good as well uh, under the baumann brand Bauman md it's called the good guys and that really really improves the microbiome health i think if you're on that 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 probiotic you know you're going to absorb all your other nutrients better you know if you're taking collagen daily things like that you know things are just going to work a lot better if your if your gut microbiome is you know optimized do you see any connections so yeah there's a lot of information on that
0: yeah that's so interesting and the uh um do you see any connections between because you're saying the skin biome with the microbiome uh with something like dry skin or flaky skin or even eczema with hair loss
1: So, um, the research that we're familiar with is that there now is a huge connection between inflammation at the level of the scalp and, uh, impaired hair growth. And so, you know, probably the most obvious versions of that are some of the scarring types of alopecia, which, you know, the inflammation is literally visible to the naked eye. You can see the redness, you can see the inflammation around the base of the hair shaft, which is called perifollicular and infiltrates and inflammation. Um, you can see the, the skin kind of tenting up as the uh, as the hair is growing out of the scalp. You can even see scaling or it could be itchy. There could be other signs and symptoms there. And so uh, we take care of a lot of that. Severic dermatitis is very, very common. So an overproduction of sebum level at the level of the scalp and the exfoliation of the skin cells forms a feeding ground for an overgrowth of uh, microorganisms like yeast and fungus and things like that. And so making sure we're getting a handle on that. People are using like, for example, um, conditioners as shampoos. They're not using as much shampoo these days, or they're shampooing less, frequency, less frequently. They've been told they should not shampoo so often. And sometimes that has a detrimental effect on the microbiome of the scalp and can cause a huge outbreak of seborrheic dermatitis and all this inflammation and really poor quality hair growth. So that's kind of where the scalp makeover comes in, you know, we can take a look at the scalp using a pH meter, moisture level, sebum level, uh, and apply even a, a Caraviv treatment, which is basically like a, um, you know, it's a hydrophil for the scalp that, that, that clears out all that, that debris and, and sebum and skin cells and really cleanses the scalp and provides an optimum environment for healthy hair growth. I mean, you've got to have good soil to grow a good
0: plant, right? Totally. Totally. That's so true. And speaking of shampoo, uh, are there any shampoos that somebody should avoid or any shampoos that you think are particularly good? And it's, it's so interesting you mentioned conditioner. Cause you know, I, I can't, I haven't used, I don't use conditioner. I haven't for a while, but it is a commonly used, um, product. So I don't know if there's good shampoo and bad conditioner, bad shampoo, good conditioner. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard different things about, you know, things like head and shoulders. Um, what, what is your take on, on shampoo, conditioner, hair products?
1: So that's a that could be a whole podcast in and of sure, itself. Sure, um, I get it. So this note yeah, but here's here's the the kind of cliff notes version of that or spark notes if you're from that generation. <laughs> um the bottom line is that what's right for you is going to be different than what's right for someone else and also your correct frequency and product use is going to change as you age so think of it like skincare right your skin changes when you're a teenager it's very oily maybe even you could have acne and then it gets a little bit drier as things go along and so you want to change your skincare regimen you're going to have more exposure uh to insults and injuries and oxidation and and um you know, uh, UV light and so forth. And so you need to protect your skin in different ways as you go through life. And so scalp is the same. So it's not an easy answer. Um, There are bad ingredients, you know, there are ingredients you should try to stay away from like sulfates and phthalates and parabens and things like that. And there's a whole laundry list of things that are associated with not so good stuff on the scalp. Um, And if you're allergic or sensitive to certain fragrances or ingredients, you gotta be aware of that and stay away from some of those things. Um, so that you can keep your scalp healthy and, and non-inflamed and keep everything kind of cool. But that's where a trichologist comes into play. I have a full-time certified trichologist and licensed cosmetologist in my practice. And her only job in her department with her assistant is to keep the scalps healthy. So if you've got some kind of scalp sensation, itchy, oily, flaky, greasy, you, know, you name it, um, I'm gonna send you to the trichologist and we're gonna figure out what to do together. She's gonna do that complete evaluation and figure out, what are the right interventions and then habits for scalp hygiene are going to be correct for you? Now, in my pra- in my practice, I also prescribe a lot of therapeutic shampoo ingredients. So, for example, the Bauman MD line of shampoo has saw palmetto, caffeine, green tea. And these are all things that can have an effect on the DHT affected hair or hereditary hair loss. Um, so, but you know, it's not a one size fits all. I mean, Yeah, it's a one size fits most, but you know, there's, there's nuance to that as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's so funny you mentioned caffeine because, uh, you know, my wife, she does, you know, she reads the, the, the mommy blogs and, and, you know, follow some people and they'll be like, Hey, my, my latest make it at home shampoo. And it's like, coffee grinds and honey and and lemon and all this stuff and uh we just have bottles of hair care products that just were taken straight out of the fridge so uh yeah. it, it's funny that uh, that you mentioned those specific ingredients
1: that's awesome super holistic um diy uh, shampoos but uh you know that's all good i mean a lot of people want to do that but don't really have the time so that's why we try to
0: curate that stuff for them totally if yeah 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 it's just so interesting to know like you don't have to be a slave to like your local grocery stores um, you know, line of shampoos. Like there are interesting things to experiment with. And like you said, it's all individuals. You never know what can happen.
1: Absolutely. Well, the reason why you you walk down a grocery store aisle and there's thousands of bottles of shampoo is because there's not one size fits all. And, um, you know, even just the level of conditioning, for example, is going to be totally different for someone who has coarse, curly, kinky, you know, Afro textured hair versus someone who has thin, straight, finer, you know, wispier hair. I mean, you know, that's a totally different. There's a huge difference between the conditioning spectrum on those two uh, patients potentially. And we have to be cognizant of that.
0: And how about like hair coloring or, you know, when I was younger, I used to bleach my hair a lot. Um, is there anything to, you know, people who use those sorts of products on their hair to increase, um, hair loss or, or anything down that road? Well, the reason why
1: people choose to color their hair generally is because they don't like the gray. Right. So that's that would be the most common reason. They don't want to appear older than their age or they don't want to be prematurely gray or they don't want to be gray. End of story, period. Um, Now, that having been said, you know, so people are going to color their hair no matter what. Um, But as we mentioned before, chemicals and heat and these types of processing can put your hair fiber at risk. So if you have a thin, weak, wispy hair, think of it like an old T-shirt that you leave out in the sun for too long. That T-shirt's going to get destroyed after a week or two in the summer heat, you know, from the UV exposure. And the hair the hair doesn't self-repair. No matter what these shampoo companies try to tell you, you can't repair a hair shaft that's been damaged in its cuticle. Um, You can kind of fill it in a little bit with some chemicals and things like that, but you need to grow good hair from the get-go. So that's where different types of therapies like red light therapy, good nutrition, keeping your inflammation levels low, platelet-rich plasma injections, things like that can be super helpful in growing good hair if you're going to plan on mistreating it, meaning that you're either going to blow dry it straight with a lot of heat or use a Brazilian blowout type of process, or you're going to color it, you know, dark light or whatever. The more you process that hair strand, the more it's going to degrade the cuticle And then you've broken the moisture barrier. And the more that that happens, the more the hair fiber itself is prone to breakage and split ends and looking dull and not feeling smooth. So those are all, um, you know, issues that can affect the aesthetic qualities of hair. The hair loses its aesthetic value when it's dull and not shiny and it's broken or damaged.
0: That's a great analogy. Yeah. The, the t-shirt outside and just the treatment of hair over time, like it could be a practice that you implement from a young age is, especially for guys, this is so important. You know, if you're at risk of losing your hair to, to do the things you mentioned, especially, and I say this in every podcast, but keeping inflammation low, keeping stress low, implementing red light, all that. I mean, that's, that's really good stuff. Um, yeah, Dr. Bowman. Early
1: intervention is really the key to the whole thing, to be honest. I mean, in summary, we know that you could lose 50% of your hair without it being noticeable to the naked eye. That means you have the same amount of coverage with half of your hair than you were born with. The coverage looks the same, but you've lost half of it. So how do you know? Well, you have to have an evaluation. You have to have a metric and you have to measure the hair and know what's going on. You might be seeing the little signs of a receding hairline like I have right here, but... You know, did you know that I'm 30 to 40% depleted right up in this area? I mean, that's, that's why I fight like hell every day to keep my hair because I know that even though it doesn't look bald or bare or even thin to the naked eye, I know how much I've lost already.
0: Yeah. And this is the struggle. This is my struggle as well, my friend. This is, uh, (laughs) use what you got, use it the best you can. And, uh, if nothing else, there's always the comb over.
1: Oh man. Or the baseball hat. No, no, we're going to restore your hair. You're going to have to come and pay us a visit in Florida.
0: Okay. One last question, since you just went down there. One last. Is <laughs> oh, there any, wait a minute. Is there any truth to this, to this myth, this old wives tale about wearing baseball caps and it increasing your chances of going bald?
1: So there's no way that a baseball cap is going to trigger hair loss or cause hair loss to occur, but for sure If you're wearing a baseball cap, two things are happening. Number one, you're going to have hat head when you take it off. So your hairstyle is going to be no bueno. Okay. And the other thing is that if you're wearing a hat, it does reframe your face. So it does make you look more youthful when your hair, when your when brim of your hat is down here, it reframes your face like you used to see uh, when you had hair there. So it makes you look good. But unfortunately, it delays your treatment. So over time, your hair loss will get worse. 75% of the time, your hair loss will be much worse in five years. So that's no good either. That's also no bueno. So we've got to try to hold on to the hair that we have. If you're starting to see some loss, realize that it's not going to just stop. You you, you can't, you can't deny it. It's going to continue over time. And you need to fight the fight if you want to just even keep what you have.
0: Yeah. When I was young, I swear, I heard that so much that if you wear a hat, my old Jewish mother, if you wear a hat, it's gonna make you go bald, Eric. You don't want to wear the hat too much. You're gonna go bald. You're gonna look like your father. Um, I get it. Oh my it. god. But it's good to know. That's hilarious. If nothing else, we just completely busted that myth and uh we no, put that okay. one to
1: rest. Yeah. So it is hair loss awareness month. I don't know when you're releasing the cat the podcast, but uh, you know, we're in hair loss awareness month. So it's important to do that myth busting. Um, that's a very common one. Loss and also, that it comes from your mother's father's side. We know that that's not the case. We talked about genetics before, it can come from mom's side or dad's side.
0: Oh, that's another big one. Yeah. I'm so, I, I'm so glad you brought that up, man. I know we got to close up shop here and I feel like we're just getting into the meat and potatoes of everything, but, uh, uh, Dr. Bauman, I certainly appreciate your time. This has been such a fun conversation, such an interesting conversation, um, for people who want to work with you, who want to know more about you. I don't know if you, if you put out content discussing these topics for people, is there any, uh, social media, uh, please let the viewer know where to find more about you.
1: Absolutely. So you can find me on all the social media platforms at Dr. Alan Bauman. But if you would like to get started on your hair restoration journey, it all starts with a conversation with me. And that's a consultation that can be done virtually uh, on a video call or through an in-person visit. And that can be initiated at baumanmedical.com. B-A-U-M-A-N medical.com. Awesome.
0: Awesome. And when we release this, we'll put all those uh, links to everything so people can easily find you and definitely Dr. Bauman one of the best guys and ladies. So if you are noticing a little, a little stuff coming off the top, uh, definitely look up Dr. Alan Bauman and I have a feeling you won't be sorry.
1: Thank you so much, Eric. Listen, this has been great. Uh, I know we just scratched the surface. There's so much more to talk about, but, uh, again, if anybody's out there with a hair loss concern, we're here to help we can talk about it.
0: That's great. And thank you, listener, for watching. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave a review on Apple iTunes. And for more, check out Dr. Bauman and all his information. And for more on us, go on over to holisticneutropics.com. Otherwise, we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace.
1: Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out
0: holisticneutropics.com.